Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. As always, the podcast is to bring guests and topics that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, my guest is Fitz Kohler, and let me tell you about Fitz. She is M, (laughs) this is cool, M-S-E-S-S. It's one of the most prominent and compelling So that's her title, which I have to find out more about this, is one of the most prominent and compelling fitness experts and race announcers in America. As the voice of the Los Angeles Marathon, Philadelphia Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, DC Wonder Woman Run Series, and more. She brings big structure, energy, and joy to the sport. She's passionate about guiding others to live better and longer through her company, Fitness. She appeared on national media outlets and worked with corporations like Disney, Tropicana, Oakley, and Office Depot. Fitz has also inspired millions of kids to get active through her successful school running and walking program. The Morning Mile, Fitz enjoys water sports, running, training, animals, hugs, sarcasm, and travel. She lives in Gainesville, Florida with her husband and two kids. So let us talk a little bit about resiliency today. So please welcome my guest, Fitz Kohler. Hello. So what do those initials stand for? That's got to be some degree (laughs) or something, right? It is. uh, Master of Science in Exercise and Sports Sciences. Awesome. So did you always want to be into sports? Um, well, I always was in sports. I was born with a ball at my foot or in my <laughs> hand, and I, I did everything from speed skating to t-ball to all ball sports. I was a competitive kickboxer in my 20s, so I adore sports. I love competition. I love moving my body, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. such a source of joy for me. Yeah. See, that's great. You, yeah. you know what your passion is, and you stick to it, and and grow with it, as I can see. I always ask a really simple question beyond the one that I just asked you, and that is, um, where do you live? But you told us in Gainesville, have you always lived in Florida? Uh, Yes, I'm one of the very rare humans on earth that have been born in this state. (laughs) Most everybody is a transplant, Um, but I was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, and then I came up to the University of Florida in Gainesville, and I left for a brief 
just maybe a couple months after graduating from undergrad and decided, yeah, I was having too much fun in Gainesville. I needed to go back and I earned a <laughs> master's. And then um, I met my husband, who's a police lieutenant. He's been on the force for over 30 years. Wow. And so Gainesville is our home. And I get on a plane and I travel most week weekends for work. But um, but yeah, Gainesville is a beautiful place to raise a family. It sure is. It sure is. And I think that Atlanta probably is right up there with Gainesville having more transplants than local oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So resiliency is such a great topic for these, uh, for any time, but especially these last, I would say, three years. It has put us to our test and some have excelled and surprised themselves and some not so much. And so I, I think that it's really important that, um, you know, we talk about this a little bit and, and you really have a great story about cancer and having um, a mom who survived cancer, but the result of the cure has put her in not such great spot right now. And so, you know, resiliency not only is for that patient, but also for the people that care for that person. So how can a cancer patient show their physical decline? Low their physical decline. Yeah. Low. I mean, I think it's important for everybody to know how much control they have over their own situation, no matter where they are, whether you have cancer or not, you know, mm -hmm. and fitness people are like, Oh, I'm overweight. Cause my grandparents were overweight. It's genetic. No, it's not. You did that. You, you are the only person who puts food in your mouth every day. You're the person who dictates whether you exercise or sleep well, et cetera. So we have a colossal amount of control yeah. of our situation. Now, um, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I mean, I couldn't undo that. Right. I'm mm -hmm. my healthy habits, my lifetime of healthy habits had um, beat cancer many times in the past, you know, they say we always have these cells going rogue and it's our body just turns them off. So I'm, I'm hoping my body has been successful or I'm assuming many times, maybe beating far scarier types of cancer. But when I was diagnosed, I was terrified and mm -hmm. uh, much like anybody else. And I was stressed, but I also realized I did have control and the control starts with, you know, you choose your medical providers, you choose them. You don't just don't take what's handed to you. You pick people that you trust your entire life. Mm. You know, for me, it was what my children's lives. It wasn't that they were going to die, but if I were going to miss it, that mm. was the real hardship, you know? So I chose the best of the best. They recommended treatment. I accepted treatment. I was in charge of me. And, um, you know, I made these great choices for myself. I, I chose to continue exercising as much as I could. Now, not everybody is obliterated by, by cancer care. Some people get off a little easier than others. Some people obviously get off worse and many people lose their battle. But um, I was brutalized by chemotherapy. I was mm. so violently ill, but I still did things that I could because I knew that um, the weaker I got, the harder life would be. You know, the, the, if I didn't work on mobility, flexibility, even on those days I was stuck in bed, my life would become more difficult. I would not only have the suffering and the sickness, but I would have pain from mm -hmm. leaving. If I didn't work on balance training, I would be far more likely to fall down. And so I was constantly making little efforts, big efforts, depending on how I felt each day 
to slow my decline. And I want people to know, I mean, that's my brand new book is your, my, I have two. One is your healthy cancer comeback, sick to strong. And the other one is a healthy cancer comeback journal. But these are guidebooks to take people and say, okay, you've been diagnosed. You're going to start treatment. Treatment is often, um, you know, it's systematic, you know, affects your whole body, the way you feel mm -hmm. from head to toe, you know, what can you do to not become weak and, and uh, not lose your balance and not lose all of your stamina. So we can start by slowing the decline, by fighting back with exercise and nutrition. And then of course, when you're done with treatment, you don't want to stay the way you are. I mean, many of us, when we're in the midst or at the end of our treatment, we're kind of a shell mm. of be. Yeah. I remember looking at myself in the mirror some days, I had lost 11% of my body of my weight and I'm already a really lean person. So I was, I was skeletal and I was bald and my skin was bad and I had no lashes. And then I was weak. I couldn't open a water bottle. Sometimes I couldn't open the car door. And I just, you know, I would think what the heck, but, um, but I knew, but thank God I'm a fitness expert, right? Cause I knew exactly how to rebuild my body. You know, when I was at my worst moments, I knew that I would get it back. I knew that I not only would I get back to healthy and fit, but I would be incredibly athletic. And I did that. But at those same moments, I thought, oh my gosh, what about my peers? What about all of these people who are not fitness experts? What about the people, you know, most, more people gain weight during cancer care than lose. And, and much of that weight never comes off. And so mm -hmm. now you're dealing with issues, weight, weight gain related issues. So that's why I wrote those books is just because I thought someone needs to help these people. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to do that. So yeah, slow that decline, uh, work hard and get your body back post-treatment. Yeah. Cause oftentimes, you know, people go through stages of numbness yeah. and, and, and really anger and, and, you know, just all of those kind of grief uh, and, and it's hard to really think about the fact that you can fight it, you know, because yeah. it seems so devastating. How important it is, is it to have that champion? And when you talked about the doctors that you have the choice to choose, you know, again, you're in that numbness and, and you're just going by the first person that's told you you have cancer. You know, you need that advocate who, who, was that advocate for you or, you know, if it was you, you know, how can, how can people find someone like you to help them not accept their fate? So there's a couple of things going on right there is, um, uh, your best advocate has to be yourself. Yeah. Has to be. Um, and I had great support. I was very well cared for and I, I had everything I needed from my family. And even friends and even strangers were constantly trying to pitch in, which I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. But when it came down to treatment, I was the only one who had to take the pokes and the prods. I was the only one who had to lie there with no shirt on to get radiation or to show up for surgery. I had to yeah. do all of these terrifying things. And I'm a medical wimp. I'm a tough girl on the street. You put me in a doctor's office and I cry like a baby. So, but I, my husband couldn't take those needles for me. He couldn't do it. There was nobody mm -hmm. who could have taken my place. So, you know, I ended up with this mantra and it's, it, it runs throughout my books, but I, I talked to myself in my head, I would say, uh, you can do hard things. And then I would list 
the things, you know, you've raised great kids, you've built a global business, you were a competitive kickboxer for crying out loud. You can do this. And, and, you know, when you're, I was trapped in an MRI machine face down, like, uh, and I'm claustrophobic. And that was so scary. It was me going, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. So number one, you guys, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And they, they do say that depression um, is more likely if people that are depressed are more likely to lose their battle with any, anything. So, you know, staying positive, choose for me, it's perspective. You know, I was terrified by cancer and, you know, what you were basically just describing is becoming frozen. Yeah. It's human to be stressed. It's human to be scared. And I was, I cried every day, but I didn't bask in the grief. And that's mm-hmm. when things go south is when you, you just, you, you bask in it. You know, I'm so yeah. sad. I'm the cancer patient. Everyone's got to feel sad for me and I got to feel sad for me. Well, PS, even with cancer, even with sickness, you can still laugh. There can mm-hmm. still be bright moments of every day. There's still wonderful people, wonderful experiences. So it's not okay to wallow. It's not okay to bask in the grief. You've got to find a re- reason to smile. And that for me, it was the people I love and my career. And I never stopped working through my treatment. No matter how sick I got, I boarded those planes and I traveled the country and I hosted a million plus people live while sick. But the magic was I would get on those stages even if I had slept on the hotel bathroom the night before, when I got on those stages, everything that was wrong with me disappeared. It faded away. I got to be full force again. So, um, so yeah, so you have to be your best advocate, obviously. Um, you know, I'd love to help you. That's why I wrote the dang books is to help people, mm-hmm. but you know, a best friend, a, a, a stranger who is going through the same thing. Um, your, your medical team should be people you can confide in. Um, but yeah, you have to fight for yourself. There's, you're going to have a community of medical professionals doing their best to help you through this, but you got to get in your own head and champion you. And I believe in you. I don't even know who you are out there, but I know what you're capable of. And, um, yeah, life is good on the other side of cancer or any, any sort of hardship. So you gotta, you gotta push, push along and advocate for yourself. You know, as I listen to you, a, a couple things come to my mind. First of all, so many people think that they have to hide the tears and hide the sorrow. And, and I just remember, um, you know, when I was younger and it's like, just go ahead and have a good cry and get over it and then move on. And, and I think that's maybe how you get that positive mindset is okay. I'm going to have a pity party. I'm going to get over it. And then I'm going to figure out what's next. Well, and just and then, do it. Yeah. You know, I, I have a, uh, very, I'm public with my business, right? I'm the girl in the microphone. So I didn't want the whole world to know that I was crying every day, but at, at the time, but yeah, I would just say, get in my car and then I let it out and cry. Just like, and then I'd wipe my tears and get on with it, you know, kind of like the yeah. queen, right? <laughs> get on with it. And I yeah. would, but I, yeah. I didn't myself the tears. I didn't feel mm-hmm. bad for crying. I just, you know, it needed to happen. And then I needed to find a reason to smile. Yeah. And, and I think you do need that release, you know, crying is a release and you, and you, you know, you cry for a lot of things, not just sadness, you cry for joy. And so think of it that way. Maybe the tears are are of joy that you have this extra day, you know? So you talked a little bit about this, but expand a little bit more about why you wrote the comeback 
of the Cancer Comeback series and how important it is to you. Yeah, you know what? I never thought I'd be, I, I just clearly, I wouldn't have picked this for myself, but going <laughs> through it. So so this is the first one. This is a memoir, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And, um, you know, I uh, people knew what I was going through because I showed up bold and I had, I told them, hey, I'm, I was sick. This is what's going on. But um, things went on with me that I wasn't prepared for because nobody told me. So, you know, when you go in for your cancer one-on-one meeting with your nurse practitioner or whatever, they tell you all the, you know, I, I the horror stories. You might have a hysterectomy. You might have a full mastectomy. You might get sick. You might be bald. And I was those things. But nobody ever told me that um, my nostril hair was going to disappear. And because of that, my nose was going to run forever and ever. Amen. Right now, I still have a runny nose from when chemo took my nostril hair. And I'm a young woman who wishes on a regular basis for nostril hair, which is kind of weird. Like, who would think I'd be doing like only I could grow some more nostril hair. So my eyes changed colors. I had all sorts of freaky things happen and thought, well, nobody's talking about that. And I think we should, I think we should be having that conversation. And then of course I had made some really, um, I think powerful decisions, you know, mm -hmm. a perspective for me, it was, I'm not a kid with cancer. It's not my kid with cancer. So even though this sucks, mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be grateful that I'm not a kid with cancer. It's not my kid with cancer. So bright side, mm -hmm. um, I pursued those passions, which was genius. And was it hard? Yes. But was it genius? Absolutely. And then I chose to stay positive and I had that great mantra. And because of it, yeah. I probably had more adventure and travel than most healthy yeah. people. Yeah. Okay, so, um, I'm not superhero. There's no like Marvel or DC comic. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a regular girl who made some really good choices because I've made a career with my business out of helping people do better, be better. I thought, okay, I have to, like, this is, yeah. this is I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about those lessons learned. And so that's my noisy cancer comeback. And then, you know, I'm a fitness expert and it's interesting. There's almost nothing available yeah. for cancer patients mm -hmm. in the realm of fitness. And the reality is, is I have some of my people that I, that I guide, they're running marathons. My friend, Phil Decker, stage four colon cancer patient this year, He's run both Boston and Chicago Marathon during chemo. You can do incredible things. Cancer, there's a whole gamut of experiences within the realm of cancer. Um, giving up is never an option. And um, fitness matters. Fitness, exercise, quality nutrition, quality rest. Those things will make you far more likely to hit that goal of remission. Yeah. And less likely to have a recurrence. So again, it's power. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely elated to help this special group of people. And, and sadly it's a massive group of people, you know, when I deal mm. with the general public, okay. Yeah. It's big, mass impact. If I'm on uh, national morning news and I'm talking about abdominal training, okay. There's everybody's got abs. We can all learn from that, <laughs> but cancer patients, it's flipping rampant. It is mm. where you look, someone's got it. And not an American disease, it's worldwide. And so, you know, with your healthy cancer comeback in the journal, I am swinging, I'm going all Babe Ruth on this one. I don't want it. I, I want this book in the hands of every, every mm. newly diagnosed cancer patient, every new survivor. I want them all to have it because they will all use it with outstanding results. So one of the things that I wonder about is, for your cancer, evidently, since you were out in public, your immune um, resistance was not 
impacted or, or well, sure it was. So were your doctors not advising you to stay away from possible sick people? Oh, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, the new, the new mom, the new thought process with life, like from COVID is duck and cover, hide, wear a helmet, go and go be the boy <laughs> in the pool. But my doctors, they knew that, um, quality of life was the most important thing for me. Never once did my doctor say, stay home. They never once said, wear a mask. They never said, stop hugging all of these sweaty, germy strangers. You get your hands on at start and finish lines. They said, we're so proud of you. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Let us know if you need anything, but they never asked me to stop. And I'm pretty, pretty convinced I was probably the most immune compromised person on earth, but <laughs> you know, we're going, if we're going to choose, I'd much rather risk a cold than risk isolation and depression, mm -hmm. sadness, yeah. from hiding out. So yeah, I was my, my medical team, they were the exact right doctors for me. They, awesome. they were awesome. Yes. That's so good. So what is the most exciting thing, if we switch gears a little bit, about being that race announcer? Because um, to me, besides the fact that you're at these exciting marathons, but I think you were announcing a, a race every day of your life, your race against cancer. Well, for a while there, I was. You know what? I um. I love being the ringleader of the fun. I love <laughs> people come out of their shell and have a good time, you know? <laughs> and when it comes to the running events, people can go outside their front door and go for a run of any distance, any day of the week. Yeah. You know, why are they joining in? Why have they decided I want to run the LA marathon or Buffalo marathon? And it's because of the experience, you know, they, the camaraderie and <laughs> I love providing that. I love helping people feel confident. I love helping them calm their nerves. I love helping them find joy and pride in their <laughs> experiences. And the running community is the greatest on earth because they're always doing three things. They're always taking care of their own health, which is something I wish everybody would do. Um, they're supporting great causes and they're contributing to, to their community. So um, yeah, I, I love serving them. I love being with them. They're kind, they're generous, they're fun. Uh, it's and the fact that I get to be the one to um, whip them into a frenzy before <laughs> I yell go is awesome. The fact that I get to be the very first person to congratulate each and every one of them uh, upon their entry to the finish line before their spouse, before their family. It's me. I get to do that. And I, I just love it. It's so fantastic. Fantastic. So how does your brand fitness, fitness. represent what, you know, that's the real resiliency. Well, I suppose it's walking the walk, right? Um, you know, if I had taken a break when I was diagnosed with cancer, and if I would have taken a year and a half off during treatment, nobody would have blamed me, right? People have said, oh, poor girl, so sick. She's, of course, she needs to stay home. Um, but I would have blamed me. That was never an acceptable choice for me. Uh, because I love what I do so much. And the reality is if I would have taken a break and stayed in bed for a year and a half, um, I would have been replaced. I would have been forgotten and fitness would have fizzled out for sure. Instead, I, uh, I was stubborn like a mule and I worked my tail off and I tripled my business during cancer where again, things should have gone sideways um, professionally, but I, I was able to build a business 
so yeah, fitness means uh, don't make excuses. Don't give in. Take responsibility for yourself and, um, you know, go get them, go get them, right? Get it on and then be proud of yourself and own your successes. I'm very proud of me and I don't, I don't think that's cocky or egotistical to look back and say, well, you did a good job, right? <laughs> and I want other people to be able to do the same thing too. Cause it's interesting, even when people cross the finish line of a marathon, which is a very, very big accomplishment. They think, oh, but I didn't run fast or, oh, it wasn't a personal record. Excuse me. Be proud, be proud every day. Make yeah. good choices. Yeah. For me, it would be, um, I finished the race. Yes. <laughs> That's, you know, let's just celebrate the small wins in life. I finished the race. The race yeah. So can health and fitness impact remission and reoccurrence rates? And, and, you know, what examples do you have of that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. There's a brand new study out of Tel Aviv University. And I'm so sorry, I have a tickle in my throat today. And the brand new study, it was published in the Cancer Journal in November of 22, so just recently. And the research showed that high intensity aerobic exercise leaves cancer 72% less likely to metastasize. Wow. That's incredible. That's that incredible. Is, that so is incredible. Huffing and puffing, it doesn't matter if you swim or cycle or dance or run. If you were doing exercise that makes you huff and puff, you're virtually starving the cancer cells of their ability to, gr to grow and spread. So that's a powerful tool. You know, there is no data that says this one particular food item will cure cancer or prevent cancer. However, a strong immune system is certainly more likely to not only fight off diseases like cancer, right. but the common cold to make mm -hmm. you less likely for infection, mm -hmm. the whole thing, every, every time you choose food that helps versus food that hurts, you're putting yourself in a much superior position to fight back. Yeah. And let's, let's do that. Let's make our body strong. You know, if you're going to choose, if you're going to go into cancer, knowing that it might um, make you sick and might atrophy your muscles, would you rather start off as the rock or Mick Jagger? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, rock's a pretty exaggerated version of human muscularity, but still being a stronger, fitter, healthier version of yourself. You know, if you, um, if you go into any sort of illness or in injury with a healthy body, you are far less likely to become severely injured and you are far more likely to rebound and recover far quickly than if you were a weakling who was out of shape going into it. So your fitness always counts. Now, am I exhibit A? It can happen to me. It can happen to anybody. Sure. But that doesn't mean that um, my fitness has gone to waste. In fact, uh, halfway through my treatment, it was right before uh, chemo round number six. So my first six rounds of the 21 rounds of chemo were the meanest. They gave me, they just hit me with the horrible concoction. And, you know, when you go in for round one of chemo, you're you're nervous. You're afraid because you're fearing the unknown. I don't know what's right. going to right. When you get to number six, you're fearing the known. You know exactly what's going to happen to yeah. you. Exactly what you're going to face, and and it gets worse each time because 
and they say it, it's true. It's cumulative, you know, so chemo number one beats you down a little bit, number two, more and more and more. So I went into my uh, hematology oncologist office and I had to have a checkup before I sat down for chemo, before he gave me permission to have chemo. So I went in and I was, I was fairly fragile and um, just nervous because yeah. going in for, you know, like another hobbling type thing. <laughs> and it's, you're doing so great. I said, I'm not doing so great. I had just been hospitalized overnight a couple of weeks prior for transfusions. He said, I'm not. He goes, you're just, you're doing so great. I said, Dr. Gordon, I don't know why you're saying that every iota of my body has been damaged in some way. I'm a basket case. I don't know why you think I'm doing great. He said, perspective. He said, listen, if you were not so healthy and fit coming into this nightmare, you would have been hospitalized for a month. You probably would have had a feeding tube. That feeding tube probably would have caused an infection. But you weren't. Your commitment to health and fitness, exercise, nutrition, mm -hmm. all of that has paid off. So instead of spending a, mo a month in the hospital with a feeding tube, you have bounced around this country, again, having more adventure than most healthy people do in a lifetime. So you have suffered, but you have soared as well. And mm -hmm. it mattered. And so... That's what I'm asking people to do is prepare your body to do battle today. Make yourself battle ready, per, you know, work on mm -hmm. flexibility, balance, strength, stamina, make your heart and lungs super powerful. And, and it will pay off because none mm -hmm. of us get out of this life unscathed, right? We're all going to face something. Can you be better prepared to advocate on your own behalf? I think so. Wow. You know, and I think that's so true because you know, I think a lot of times the cancer is not detected as soon as we would hope because we have so many other things wrong because we don't take care of ourselves that that it masks the warning signs. Yeah. But if you're fit as you are, when something, you know, if your stomach's not right or, you know, there's an ache or pain, you're going to notice it and be able to react, I think, more quickly. So you'll appreciate this. I found my lump seven weeks after a sparkling clean mammogram. So I had just gone in, the scans were clear. There was nothing there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing the second I went out into the parking lot after that <laughs> mammogram, you know, that cell went rogue. But yeah, if I were not so lean, would I have found the tumor? Yeah. Maybe not. It had already spread to lymph nodes. Wow. So it was like wildfire trying to take me down. And had I not found it so quickly, you likely wouldn't be having this conversation with me today. So yeah, I mean, it's health is so important and nothing, mm -hmm. nothing brings that um, fact to light faster than someone saying you have cancer. Yeah. The second they look you in the eye and say, I'm so sorry, but you have cancer. All the other things all the other needs and wants, they disappear. You don't care about your boat or your fancy house or your fancy clothes or, mm. or those chicken wings and the drinking <laughs> you do every Friday night. That was so important to you. You know, when someone says you seriously have major health issues and you might die, all of a sudden you think, oh, I just want to be healthy. I would give up chicken wings forever and alcohol if I could just not have cancer. So don't wait. Don't wait yeah. for someone in the eye and give you bad news start acting. And, and that's what I'm all about. You know, I don't promote diets or pills or powders or supplements or snake oil, any of that stuff. It's just about 
watch what you put in your mouth. You know the difference between the food that helps and the food that hurts. It's not so complicated. Mm -hmm. Most of us learned it in kindergarten. We have to exercise. It's strength, cardio, flexibility, balance. Target those four pillars of fitness on a regular basis in your mm -hmm. body. You know, your body will start becoming confident in all the right ways. Prioritize sleep. And, uh, you know, I say it all the time. I have a master's degree in the most simple, stupid science on earth. Um, it's not complicated and everybody is capable of doing better. And so I hope you will. I hope you will. And if you need guidance, mm -hmm. I'm here to, to give it. But um, I know people can do better. Yeah. And I think that's why your journal is so important, because I know that when you write down what you eat and yeah. and what and, and how your body reacts to what you eat, how whenever you exercise, your body reacts to that. My dad has diabetes yeah. came on in his late seventies and he isn't on insulin. He controls it with diet and exercise. And he knows he sees his numbers, how they change when he does exercise. And so he's really good at now at 87, 86 now yes. to do that. So, I, you know, I think the journal is such a great gift for the folks and, and then you just have to have the discipline to, to use it. But if you do, you really get that insight, I think, to keep you positive. So you're right. So the, the back half, the last hundred pages in the journal are nothing but a daily fitness log. It's nutrition, it's exercise, how you feel your strawberry moments, which are your bright spots in each day. And I want to force people to write down the bright spots in every single awesome. day. First half of the book is filled with you know, cancer specific prompts, how are you diagnosed? Who's your medical team? And then your, your fears, you know, writing mm -hmm. under cathartic activity, your fears, your faith, your family, your friends, you know, who's the best shoulder to cry on, which family member sends you the funniest texts that always lift you up, um, you know, the funny stuff. And I have a silly sense of humor. So, you know, what have you nicknamed your tumor? What have you nicknamed your port? Uh, what celebrity do you look like bald? So, you know, the prompts, they, they vary and hopefully, you know, they'll give you a place to keep track of stuff because it's hard mm -hmm. to keep track of stuff, but then a, whole, a place to get it out, vent your frustrations and then laugh. You know, when I was sick, I, um, and I never wore a wig. So people just were always looking at my bald head. I was told all the time, you look like that bald lady from Star Wars or Star Trek. Um, I look like Grace Jones and I thought, yes. oh, why? <laughs> Um, one of my favorite was you look like crazy Britney. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, my best friend nicknamed me noisy mannequin. I was like, all right. So um, you don't have a sense of humor about it. Things, you know, whether you break your foot or you get cancer, that's it. there's some funny stuff to be had if you're focusing on it, right? You can, yeah. you can laugh at yourself and cancer can be freaking hilarious. And I think only cancer patients have like the, uh, we're allowed to say that, but cancer can be really freaking funny if you're willing to laugh at yourself. I think it's really, that is so important. I, I truly think that that laughter and love and positivity yeah. helps to kill the cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. It is time for our rapid fire questions. Just five quick questions to answer. Um, you probably can't fully answer them all, but just, you know, to give us which comes to the top of mind. Okay. So what is the most surprising thing that you found about your cancer treatments? Um, most surprising thing was probably that my eyes would change colors. Yeah, that I hadn't ever heard that. Bizarre. 
I know my mom, she kept her blue eyes the whole time and she had terrible radiation therapy. But anyway, so what was it like standing on the stage, fully bald? Um, empowering, you know, yeah. a, a, it was delightful because when I'm working, I focus on everybody else, not myself. So I didn't really think about me, but there were a few times where, especially the first time I took the stage bald, I thought, uh, and it was cold. So traditionally, even with long, thick hair, I would wear fuzzy hats to keep me warm. Um, and it was a cold day, but I just decided, you know what, uh, out of the 10,000 athletes I'm going to stand in front of today, there's definitely a whole bunch of them are going to be bald from chemo one day. And I want them to know that they don't have to hide and it's okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, empowering. It was helpful. And it certainly allowed me to get people's attention when I was encouraging them to get their annual exams and to squeeze <laughs> their stuff. Good job. All right. So what's the best part of you self-published your book? So what is the best part about doing that? Full control. I've worked with a publisher before and um, I was frustrated by the things that they wanted to control that I couldn't. And, you know, with, with this process, it's, it's all me. I get to hire the people. I get to steer the ship completely and uh, make sure it's of the utmost quality. I love it. I'm so, so proud of these books and yeah, self-publishing all the way, all the way. <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? Always associate up. Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Surround yourself with people better than you. Yeah. They cannot drag you down. Yeah, they'll lift yeah. you up. Right. And where can people find you to buy your book? Well, I hope everybody gets a book. In fact, I hope none of your listeners have cancer. But I know every last one of them loves someone with cancer. So I hope maybe there'll be a great gift for someone you care about. But fitness.com is my home base for everything. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. And the books are there. You can buy them as a individuals or a two-pack or a three-pack. Um, and then I'm also at fitness on all social channels. So YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And if you follow, I promise quality content. But really what I prefer is for you to use the comment section and say, I heard you on Vicky's podcast and I enjoyed it or whatever you want to say, um, because I'd much rather have friends than just followers. So please follow along and then say hello. Let's connect. So if anybody that was listening in um, did not grab a pencil or paper, I'm going to go through her information one more time. And those that are watching can get a screenshot where it has all of her information. It will be on my YouTube channel, so you can subscribe there, or my website, findyourleadershipconfidence.com. So it is, as she said, www.fitznesscom fitness.com. She's on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. You, as uh, she mentioned, um, have the opportunity to get her cancer comeback series. And I'm going to let her again explain what she has as resources on fitness.com, as well as those titles of those books. Yeah, so fitness.com is jam-packed with free resources for anybody trying to do better, be better in fitness. If you're trying to lose weight or Change your weight. The exact formula for weight loss will teach you how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be customizable to you for free. It's on the cover. Um, I have tons of free fitness videos. There are 
two to 10 minute segments for you to exercise along with me, recipes, articles, etc. And then my three most recent books that I, again, want every cancer patient and survivor on earth to take home are My Noisy Cancer Comeback, uh, Running at the Mouth While Running for My Life, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. And that one's the guidebook. You got to have it. And then last but not least, the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. And uh, as all three, they make the Cancer Comeback series. Awesome. Well, it has been just really a pleasure talking with you. You're so inspiring. And I, I think it truly is what people need to hear, even if you don't have cancer. As you said, it, it is everywhere. And there is someone in your life that's going to need to know this information. And what a gift it is for you to be able to share it with them. So we are so happy that you shared your time with us today. And um, I hope that everyone does go to, as you see on the screen, fitsnits.com. That's with a Z, fitsnits.com to get the tools that will help you be stronger, healthier. So if it happens to you, you can have a better chance of beating it. And you also will have a great gift to give to someone you love. Well, it has been a pleasure. I hope that we can uh, connect some more throughout the years. And as I tell everyone that you should always remember that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.